Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning, Life Church. How are we doing this morning? Hey, I'm Pastor Dusty. Uh, my wife and I are the campus pastors down for Carson City campus. Um, just had that worship night or the movie night the other night. It was awesome. A ton of people down there. Um, Hey, today we are concluding our series on the questions that Jesus asked. Hasn't this been a great series, kind of diving into all these, these questions that Jesus asked? And, uh, and today I, I wanna kind of unpack a question and then as we kind of sit with it, uh, it's kind of a heavy question. Um, and so if you would, please open with me to uh, Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. We'll start off nice and light here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It's a nice light question. As I was sitting with this this week, it, it, it kind of harkened back to like this, you know, for Christy and I, this journey about five years ago, and, and a lot of you know this story, some of you don't know this story, that, you know, um, both of us are in the marketplace, Christy runs, uh, was running several businesses at the time, and, and I'm a psychologist by trade, and I see clients, and working on all of that, and about five years ago, we began to feel this call towards occupational ministry, towards looking at what it would mean to be bivocational, to do ministry, and, and, and then this, and this Carson campus started happening. And this question kind of hits that, that note of what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And so what Jesus is asking us is he's saying, what do, we, what do you place your importance in? In the things of this world, in the temporary things, the wealth that we, we get for ourselves, the houses that we get for ourselves, cars we drive, our status, our reputation. What does any of that mean if that ends up grabbing our soul and we end up losing what Jesus is calling us to do? And so I wanna kind of zoom out just a little bit kind of to the 10,000 foot view here and look at this, this entire passage right here. We could, we could spend... Uh, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 27, which we're not gonna read all of those verses, but that entire passage, we could literally do two months of sermon series unpacking all of this. It's so incredibly rich and deep. And, and so what Jesus is doing here in this moment, this is kind of the, 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 um, the, the ultimate end of, of this narrative that Jesus is talking about. Of what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? Oh, just Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Oh, great, jeez. But what Jesus does, kind of starting in, in, in the beginning part of this in Matthew, Matthew 16, verse 13, is he begins by asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? What is the crowd saying about me? We're, you know, we're walking around, I'm, I'm doing a lot of teaching, people are seeing miracles, and who do people say that I am? And then Jesus gets really personal and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, because of course it's Peter, because he always opens his mouth, says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter. And I, I kind of almost picture Peter, like he says things, and then Jesus is like, yes, you're correct, and he's just kind of like, just like a little Napoleon Dynamite, you know, backwards fist. But the, so, so Jesus was asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they've, they've correctly identified that you are the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. But then Jesus begins to unpack what it is that he must do. In verse 21, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. It never goes well when you rebuke Jesus. He says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Whew. So here we have Peter going from the highest of highs. Just got a compliment from Jesus. You correctly answered who I am. I'm the Messiah, I'm the son of the living God. To now being called Satan. Poor Peter, I feel bad for him here. But what's happening here in this moment is that J Jesus is, is helping his disciples see, you guys don't get it yet. You've correctly identified who I am, the Messiah, the son of the living God, but you don't understand that I haven't come to save the world in this space that we live in right here. I haven't come to rule and to reign and to fully set everything right here in this temporary world, that I've come for something bigger. The disciples knew who Jesus was, but they didn't understand the ultimate sacrifice that he had to make to set our spiritual condition, our eternal condition, right. And so Jesus is unpacking each of these things and then we come to these verses and we'll come back here to verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What Jesus is saying is, hey guys, you don't understand. I have to go to the cross and I have to die. But after three days, I'll be raised again because I'm solving an eternal spiritual issue that my agenda is not your agenda. And so what Jesus is saying to us now is do you wanna be my disciple? So deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. There's no other way the disciples could have filtered this. Take up your cross. The cross was a symbol of death. The Romans didn't mess that up. If you were going to the cross, you were going to die. And so what Jesus is unpacking for his disciples is he's saying, hey guys, I've come and I have to die. You don't quite have all the pieces put together on this thing here, but I'm gonna die and I'm gonna set things right and then I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. The cost of discipleship is a bid to die for you and I. Die to what? You see, this word, uh, we're gonna read uh, verse 25 and 26 again. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You see this, in verse 25, we see the word life mentioned twice. In verse 26, we see the word soul mentioned twice. That's the same word in the Greek. It's more than a word, it's a concept. It's the word of suke, or how we would say it in, 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 when we see it is psyche. Suke just sounds funny to me, so I'm gonna say psyche for the rest of the time because it just feels weird. But um, it's this idea of psyche. It's where we get our modern day word of psychology. You see, in Greek thought, the psyche had a broad and multifaceted meaning. It encompassed concepts related to the soul, life, breath, mind, emotions, and even the self. Eugene Peterson says it this way, that their unique self and identity that transcends the physical, it means the essence of your truest self. You see, what Jesus is saying in this, in this moment is that, hey, do you wanna find life? Deny yourself, lose your life. Do you wanna find your truest self? the self that was created, what our true purpose is, lose yourself, deny yourself, invite Christ into that space because then you will find it. You see, Jesus solved an ultimate spiritual problem by rejecting all that this world had to offer him. And he knows that we too are tempted to fill our meaning spaces with the things of this world. You see, at the core of all of this, we are meaning-making creatures. We find our meaning in all kinds of things in our life. And some of them, they're not bad on the surface. Money, wealth, the neighborhood I live in, the golf club I belong to, the car I drive, my social status, how my peers see me, how my colleagues see me, my power, my reputation. All of these things on the surface are not bad. My marriage, how I parent my kids, Again, not bad things, but what Jesus is saying is, hey guys, you live in a temporary world and if you place all of your ultimate meaning in these things that the world has to offer you, you're gonna lose your soul because what I've called you to, I've called you to a place of denial and death and taking up your cross to follow me. You see, we find our truest essence or our truest selves when we lose ourselves. You wanna find yourself? Jesus says, come and die. Tim Keller says it this way, that when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he won through losing and got power and influence through service and got all the riches of glory by giving all of his wealth away, when Jesus Christ got our forgiveness and pardon on the cross by turning the values of the world on its head, the world's glorification of power and of privilege and of recognition and status and money was exposed and defeated. So what Jesus is saying to us today is we lay all of these things down. They're temporary. You see, there's this myth that exists in, in culture, and this is it's, it's most poignant right now, that the God of this culture it's self, it's identity, it's who I am. When we say these phrases of you do you, you be you, I'm just on a path, I'm finding my true self, listening to my inner voice right now, doing a little bit of soul searching. What we're saying there is I'm looking for ultimate meaning, I'm looking for purpose, I'm looking for why am I here, and this this, this meaning-making process, this is a God-given thing. Without meaning, without purpose, people die. It's what causes depression. But Jesus is saying, do you wanna find your true self? 
lose yourself. Don't place this meaning into the ultimate thing. Point number one is this, being my true self allows me to have an eternal focus. I told you today's question was nice and easy, right? <laughs> being my true self allows me to have an eternal focus. You see, we have these meaning-making structures inside of us. The neurophysiological level is called our default mode network. It's this, this, these areas of the brain that create autobiographical memory. It's where we create narrative. It's where we create identity. It's where we create our sense of meaning. And we, we find meaning in all kinds of different things. The friend groups that we have, the relationships that we have, my job, my reputation, my social standing, what my last name is, especially here in Reno, if you have one of those Reno names. But we find our meaning in these things. But when these things become the ultimate meaning in my heart, that's when we miss the point. And that's what Jesus is saying here is to lay down the things of this world, the temporary things that will fill you up only so far. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. Money by itself is just money. Power by itself is just power. Jesus is not saying to sell everything you have and move to a desert island and pray for the rest of your life. That's not what Jesus is saying. If he is saying that to you, come talk to me. We'll figure some things out. But, but what he is saying is he's, he's asking us to look inward into our heart, right? He's asking us to look inside of ourselves and to identify these areas that we might be holding on to. He's not necessarily asking us to give everything that we have away how do we know this? We see this in the Gospels with the rich young ruler when, when he comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, he's only identified Jesus as a teacher. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, give everything you have away to the poor and come follow me. And it says he walked away and was sad. Why? Because wealth, money, the accumulation of stuff here on earth have become his ultimate meaning that he couldn't put Jesus in that space. And we see this juxtaposed with the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man was he. Coming to your house today, I'm not gonna sing it, I promise, I promise. If Dave was up here, he would totally sing it and it would be terrible because he has a terrible voice. But when Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus is searching for something and, and Jesus, at the end of dinner, it says that Zacchaeus tells Jesus, I'm gonna give half of everything that I have away to the poor and I'm gonna make right all the people that I've robbed. And Jesus says, today your heart is with me. Again, Jesus isn't saying we have to give all of the things of this world away. What he's saying is, what's your heart? What's the condition of your heart? Are there things that you're holding on to? We have a savior that too was tempted to have everything in this world. We see this in Matthew 4, verses eight through 10. Jesus has fasted for 40 days and now he's being led into the wilderness and he's being tempted with three temptations from the devil. This is the last temptation that says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is the reason why Jesus reprimands Peter of get behind me, Satan. He's not just being mean to Peter. What Jesus is saying is, hey, Guys, there's a temptation, even for me, 
to make this temporary world the ultimate thing, and I can't do that. I've already rejected Satan. I've already rejected this temptation, but Peter, the devil's using you right now and offering the same temptation. He's, you're a stumbling block to me. You see, the devil loves it when we say we believe and then we prioritize everything else in our lives ahead of God. Jesus is calling us to prioritize the eternal over the temporal. When Jesus becomes the source of our security and significance, you don't need money or power or status. Money is just money. Power is just power. Status is just status. In other words, I may have these things, but when Jesus says, I want you to give here, I want you to fund this, you say, okay, Jesus, I'll do it. It's, hey, Jesus, I love my job, I love my paycheck, but if you ask me to give up this salary and go start this nonprofit that, that's kind of been mulling around in my heart for a few years, yes, Jesus, I'll do it. I don't know what it's gonna look like, it's gonna be hard, but I'll do it. But that comes through a place of denial, but it also comes through a place of where does Jesus sit in our hearts? You see, being my true self allows Jesus to exist as Lord. I'm gonna read the, our passage today, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. It says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. We feel like he's going to work on us today. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? You see, I think for some of us, and myself included, that I like to tell Jesus when he's allowed to be in the driver's seat. I'll put him in the driver's seat when I'm coming to church. Okay, God, feel some things here. But hey, when we leave church, why don't you move over to the passenger seat? Some of us have put Jesus in the back seat. Now you got a backseat driver. <laughs> got two teenagers now, so now I have three backseat drivers in my car. Sorry, babe, you're not a backseat driver at all. But I think sometimes for some of us, we are walking around with a watered down, minimized version that is not leading my life, but is a part of my life. And this watered down version can look very different don't get me wrong, I love self-help Jesus. I love thinking about a peace that passes understanding. I love thinking about casting my cares on him for he cares for me, that makes me feel good. And there's truth. But I also, also love pep talk Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Write that down. Read it over myself every day. I like a political Jesus that seems to agree with my every political opinion. I like a national Jesus that seemingly sees America as the most important country in the world. I like a genie Jesus when things get tough that I can take out and ask him to meet my needs. And what Jesus is saying to us is, are, are you looking for quick fix or are you looking for me to be Lord? Because so many times we miss 
the mark on this and we just want the quick fix. Several weeks ago, we had a terrible uh, late spring and the allergies were incredibly terrible. Um, and uh, most of the time I have a little bit of allergies, it's not too bad, but this time was absolutely terrible. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't sleep. And back in when I was in college, I had a, a terrible reaction when I took an allergy pill. And so I've always been a little leery of taking something, but I was so desperate that I found my buddy, he's a doctor after church several weeks ago, and I was like, tell me what pill to take. I just want to take a pill. I don't care what it does. I'll take the risks of it not being good for me. I want a pill, I have to feel better. And he said, well, Dusty, have you, uh, have you done a neti pot yet? I said, no, I haven't done a neti pot yet. He said, well, have you replaced your air filters in your house? And I said, no, I haven't done that. I have those, they're in my garage, but I haven't replaced them yet. Well, do you sleep next to an air purifier to help get the particles out of there? No, I, I don't do that. I have an air purifier. I don't sleep with it there. Have you washed your blankets that the dog sleeps on? No, I haven't done that. Have you washed your dog? No, I haven't done that. He's like, Dusty, I, I want you to do the neti pie, and then I want you to spray uh, saline up into your nose and then and do Flonase. And I was so mad because I just wanted the quick fix. I wanted the pill to make it stop. Many of us do that with Jesus. We come on a Sunday morning and we say, Jesus, make me feel better about the, the things in my life that are not put together. And then we leave here and we put Jesus in the back seat and he's saying, I want to be the driver. He's saying, do you wanna find your truest self? Put me in charge because I promise you all of the things that are gonna come out of that and all of the things that I have for you to do in this world, it will be better. This leads us to our last point. Being my true self allows me to take up my cross. Being my true self allows me to take up my cross. First of all, what does it not mean to take up your cross? What Jesus is not saying here is that, hey guys, I want you to be incredibly miserable for the rest of your life. I want you to do nothing fun and walk around with a sour face on, but I'm serving Jesus. He's not asking us to be masochistic Christians. Again, money is just money. Power is just power. Status is just status. Plenty of examples all through scripture where people had power and they had status or they had money. But what God is saying is, do those things have your heart? So he's not asking us to be masochistic. Because if we're just cleaning up what's on the outside, we're in danger of being a Pharisee. We're in danger of being the people that cleaned up everything out here and everything looked so good, but on the inside it was ugly. Jesus is asking us for our hearts. It also doesn't mean necessarily that Jesus is asking us to do the hard thing versus the easy thing. Sometimes it is. Sometimes that is the answer. But not always. If you're presented with two jobs and one pays double, Jesus isn't telling you to take the one with less money. Take the one that pays double. But maybe he's asking you to take the one that pays double so you can give more away to fund the kingdom of God. So that's not what it means. What does it mean to take up your cross? The first thing that it, that it has to mean is literal death. The majority of the disciples that Jesus is talking to in that moment will give their lives for the sake of the gospel. 
And so what Jesus is saying to us is, are you willing to give your life up for the sake of the gospel? Or a better way to say that would be is, am I living a life of denial where I'm putting myself on the back burner, where I'm laying it down in the feet of Jesus, where I'm living in this holistic surrender so that if I'm asked to give up my life or to choose the things of this world, I can do that. That's the first thing that it means. But the second thing that it means is it means that I do this on a daily process. Romans 12, verses one and two says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ in me. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says, I die every day. See, what Jesus is saying to us is there's a process that we begin to walk out where every day I put God, I put Jesus in the place that he should be. I lay down my wants, my desires, the things that I want to take meaning from, that I lay them down, that I lay them down, that I lay them down, and that as I keep doing this, God continues to reveal more and more and more what he wants us to do. The closer we walk with Jesus, the more he tells us which path to go, what it looks like, what is the ultimate thing, it's laying ourselves down. C.S. Lewis says, says it this way, far smarter than me, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions, your favorite, and w- favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. I wanna end with this story. Some of you have probably seen the the movie Sound of Freedom. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. It's an incredible story. But it's the story of Tim Ballard who's this incredible guy He currently runs Operation Underground Railroad. He rescues kids worldwide, internationally from sex slavery, kids that are sold into sex slavery. And that's his whole mission is he saves them. He goes in and rescues kids. But this movie, and I'm not giving too much away, but this movie starts with him working for a federal agency and and he was putting away perpetrators and he happened to rescue this child. And this child asks him, what about my sister? And he gets permission to go down to Columbia to try and find this kid's sister. And he's down there for a while, and finally the government says, you can't be down there. You gotta come back. He was months away from his pension being fully vested with the government. His wife and six kids at home, and he calls his wife, and he says in this interview, I listened to him, he says, 
There was part of me that was hoping my wife would tell me to do the reasonable thing. There was part of me that wanted her to say, come home, be with your family, you have a good job, you're doing good work. Instead, his wife said, this feels like a call. I don't want to stand before my Savior at the end of my life and say that I prevented you from living out this call. She said, Tim, I want you to picture yourself at the end of your life and you're standing before Jesus and Jesus asked you two questions. Could you save the kids? And did you do it? And he walked away from everything. He walked away from the pension. He walked away from the paycheck. But God has blessed every step of his life these last several years. He now has a ministry and an organization. He rescues kids worldwide. And my question to you is, what is God asking of you? If he truly was Lord, if we could truly surrender those spaces that we want to hold back, what is he asking of us? What is our cross to bear? I invite you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. What is the area that's popping up in your head? What is the thing that you place ultimate importance in, ultimate meaning in? What are the things that you really don't want to put Jesus in charge of? Oh God, we confess. We don't do this perfectly. We're a mess. We need your grace, we need your mercy. But Lord, right now we pray a prayer of surrender. Lord, I lay these things at your feet. Whatever that thing is, whatever the thing is that God's been putting in your heart to do, God wants some of us to be on the mission field. God wants some of us to foster adopt. God wants some of us to give more away. God wants some of us to do incredibly big things, but he wants all of us to lay it down so that he could show us what it is that he wants us to do. God, we lay our lives at your feet. Just pray right now in the name of Jesus that we have a focus that is eternal. Lord, give us the strength to do this every day, over and over and over, until there is none of us and all of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.